you deserve the truth. The enemy is at our gates. The fight for humanity. I look at your faces. I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. It's far from over. You will not make that stand alone. We have something the enemy does not. We have heroes. Halo. New season now streaming. Exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. And welcome to another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider. We'll call this our Christmas edition as the Wolverines are set to do battle with Nebraska on Christmas Day. A lot to recap and recount. My good friend, a former Michigan high school standout, a former University of Michigan standout before going on to the NBA as a first-round draft pick, and now brings outstanding, outstanding analysis to Pistons broadcasts on Fox Sports Detroit, a college basketball analyst for ESPN and still involved with the NBA, with the NBA Players Association, none other than my good friend Tim McCormick. Tim, how are you this afternoon? Hey, Sam. Merry Christmas to you, um, to your family. Happy holidays to our listeners. And I'm happy Michigan basketball is 6-0 and undefeated, uh, along with Iowa and Michigan State and Ohio State. Rutgers continues to impress me like their football program. I thought they had a good year. Uh, the Big Ten's loaded. And and so Michigan is off this week, and then they get to play in Lincoln on Christmas Day. And and here's what we know so far: the Wolverines are good. Um, they're they're streaky on offense. I think that they get a little bit turnover prone. Uh, the point guard play has been pretty solid. I think it's got a lot more upside than any other position. Um, Hunter Dickinson's been the best freshman in the Big Ten. Franz Wagner is capable of more. We need a little bit more consistency from Isaiah Livers on offense, uh, and it's not a great driving team, but they're 6-0 and deserve a ton of credit for a fast start. Um, but I, I think it's still a little bit early um, until Michigan gets on the road. When when they go to Iowa or at Michigan State or Wisconsin, can they compete for 40? Um, so I think they're good. Can they be great? Uh, not sure yet, uh, but we will know in several weeks. Yeah, well, they certainly got a – I won't call it a rude awakening, but it was a reminder. That's a better way to put it, a reminder to the guys who are grizzled Big Ten veterans and definitely an introduction to the Big Ten for the newcomers, whether they be guys like Shondi Brown and and Mike Smith as transfers or the freshmen that got into the mix that, hey, the Big Ten is just different, Tim. I mean, you know this from your years playing in the Big Ten and then, of course, your years uh, calling games and watching, uh, it is just a physical, grinded-out league. They don't call fouls as, as easily. And the Wolverines in the matchup with Penn State got <laughs> got everything Penn State had, man. that was a uh, It was a game where they were up 15 early, and the Nittany Lions showed them it was going to be a long day because they came storming back pretty quickly. Well, I was thinking about Mike Smith and – what he must have been thinking because the first five games, Michigan averaged 89 points per game. You know, they run their offense. Hey, this, this NBA offense from Juwan Howard, it's really smooth. Nobody can stop us. And then all of a sudden 62 58. And even after the first 10 minutes of the game, Mike Smith must've been thinking this big 10 stuff is pretty easy. Penn state is really good. They should have been in the NCAA last March. Um, Patrick Chambers is gone, but his players are there. Jim Ferry, he's the interim coach, but he does a really good job. And here's what I like. 
you know, at, at, at halftime, you got 36 points versus a pretty darn good defensive team. And Hunter Dickinson's gone ahead and established himself as the go-to guy, and everybody in the Big Ten knows it now. Um, but then all of a sudden, the defense got a little bit more physical, and and Michigan went on a drought, and and I didn't see anybody other than Hunter Dickinson that that could take over that game and get a stop, mm-hmm. get a loose ball, get a bucket somehow to stop that run, and that's the sign of a good team. It sure is, Tim, and I, I we'll get into this as we we go on, but I, you know, watching Hunter Dickinson you know, five games into his college career, take over a game. I mean, I mean, look, I, I know that that's – it's not like freshmen don't do that do that uh, in college basketball. Like, you don't see that. You do. I just, on this particular team, wasn't expecting his impact to be that significant this early. But you just nailed it in your analysis there a moment ago. When they need a bucket, when they needed a bucket in this game, get the ball to Hunter Dickinson. And here's the other thing. Other teams know it now, and he's still he's still able to go right through guys. Now, I understand that we're he's going to see more physical defense from size. I think we saw guys try to get physical with him, but everyone's shorter than him. He has a great – and you can probably appreciate this and speak to this as a as a big guy. There's some big guys that play smaller. They keep the ball down. They don't keep it over, over their heads. They allow – smaller players to play them better defensively. They get ridden out of the post with leverage. None of those things happen with Hunter Dickinson. Tim, as a as a freshman, I think that's impressive to see from him. Yeah, really nice lead in, Sam. I, I think Hunter is Michigan's most pleasant surprise by far. He has not taken his time to get acclimated at all. And and basically he's knocked down the door and been Michigan's best player and their go-to guy. And without him, Michigan would have two losses right now, in my opinion. Um, the numbers extremely impressive for a senior, you know, let alone a freshman, 15 and seven, making nearly 70% of his field goals, top 10 in the Big Ten in shot blocking, and that's not even his thing. And there's just so much to like. Now, as a big man, let me let me share a couple of observations that have kind of blown me away. He plays with such good balance. He seldom gets knocked off his base. He's been the strongest guy in the building all six games. And the unique thing is that he's able to combine finesse with strength. Uh, Such a a willing and reliable passer. And I think he'll get better in that area. And and also, he plays at his pace. You know, at at, at 7-1, he's able to run the court effectively. And when he gets into a half-court set, he keeps the ball high. Um, already Big Ten Freshman of the Week twice, which is so impressive. Makes his free throws. He understands angles, and I just love that. And what I mean by it, you know, some guys, when they catch the ball in the low post, they put a shoulder into the defensive chest, and then they're they're susceptible to an offensive foul. I have not seen him do that. He attacks shoulders on the side, and he doesn't get that offensive foul. Credit goes to his coach, Mike, DeMa- uh, Mike Jones from DeMatha. Uh, he was well-schooled in AAU, and and so I've kind of run out of superlatives, but, but, but what I would say is that the next step for him is to become a better screen and roll player, mm-hmm. um, and then part of that is the guards have to do a better job using his screen. You know, he's got to roll harder to the front of the rim, and the guards need to come off shoulder to shoulder so the guards can't 
have a have the ability to slide through there. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam, two other things. I want to give Austin Davis a ton of credit for the impact in practice because I talked to a number of Michigan's coaches, and when I asked about how's Hunter doing against Austin, they kind of laughed. They snickered a little bit, like like they've never seen anybody like like Austin with that country strength, that old man strength. You know, so that's that's pretty good. And and Sam, here's something I want to ask you about because I've I've had some people say to me. Wow, I, I hope that they can keep Hunter Dickinson around for two years. <laughs> and and yeah. I have I have to be perfectly frank with you. Um, he could be, he very well could be a four year player. And that's not something that, you know, if he heard that I wouldn't want him to feel bad about it because the NBA is just looking for these above the rim sprinter speed athletes that can knock down threes. And that's not him so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think back to, and, and I'm going to say this right now, Hunter's a better player than him, but when Isaac Haas was at Purdue, I know you liked his game. Mm-hmm. He never got an NBA sniff. And, and so, so I, I think Hunter will play in the NBA, but, but I think he's got a lot to work on that can be better. And that's really good news for Michigan. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, Tim, you, you mentioned, look at guys that can run the floor, uh, athleticism, uh, to be able to 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 guard on the perimeter like you have to uh, in today's game, all things that uh, you know Hunter will get good doses of as he gets into his career. I wonder, and you sort of spoke to this a little bit earlier in our podcast schedule uh, when you look at his his minutes load, how well Juwan Howard manages his minutes, how he manages his energy expenditure when he's on the court, and so I. You know, I got this question from, uh, you know, from one of the listeners talking about, well, you know, he, why didn't he, why didn't he play more? He, he had him at, at 27 minutes. First of all, he did get in foul trouble. But I, I just wonder with a big guy like that is, is expecting him to play 30 plus minutes a game at any point unrealistic, even as he continues to get in better shape and better conditioning. Are we talking about maybe 27, 28 minutes? Uh, being the sweet spot for him, or do you think that he will be a guy? Because you know all the other guys in the in the starting lineup played thirty plus minutes. Do you think that that that's maybe a little much for a big guy who has to run rim to rim? Those other guys don't have to run rim to rim. You as a big guy, you you can appreciate that Tim. They don't have to run like the big guys do. Well, I am. Um, I remember last year you and I got into it a little bit. We we agree on most things, but I think that you and I disagreed on John Teske's minutes, mm-hmm. and and I thought they were a little bit low. And if you've got a go-to guy, a big guy that you know is your best option, I think you play him closer to 30. Okay. And the reason I say that is because I think for big guys, the more they play, it's like it's like building up a callus. Okay. Now, when you build up a callus, it gets a little bit stronger. And I think that in the NBA with load management, I think that, that the reason that so many players get hurt is because – they don't get to the point where they're playing a lot of minutes and their 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 bodies are getting used to it. Um, you know, I can remember playing um, in a four games in five nights scenario, and and I played over forty minutes in all four of those games. Had a day off and came back with a back to back, and 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 I felt like that was the best that I was ever playing because I got in really really good game shape. What um, happened to the game, Tim? You man, you mentioned that to guys in the NBA now. They're ready to run. <laughs> They're yeah, ready to strike. No, 
You're ready to strike. You say that. You're right. You're right. And and you know what? There's a, there's quite a possibility that you know for somebody that's had ten knee surgeries and a knee replacement that that there's there's a chance that maybe um, I I wore my knees out with that kind of workload. But I certainly think that Hunter Dickinson could play thirty minutes a game. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, uh, definitely. You mentioned the Austin Davis absence. Uh, that is something that, that Michigan has to account for and compensate for. That means more minutes for Brandon Johns. He wasn't as effective necessarily on the offensive end of the floor on the uh, on the afternoon. He had four turnovers in the game, Tim. But he was, I, I thought, really effective defensively in that game. He, he was. And, and if you're looking at combining both of the, the big guys' production, you got 26 and 10. And, and that's really, really good. And, and I think Brandon Johns, um, over the, the, next, the, the next three or four weeks, um, until whenever Austin gets back, I think he's going to get a chance to carve out a niche for himself. Um, hustle plays, that, that is the, the best thing that he does. But, but I think he could be much more effective blocking shots, coming from the weak side, getting out in transition, um, getting hands on balls on the offensive glass. And, and you know, if he's having one of those games, and I think you go with the jumbo lineup and play Brandon and Hunter together. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the word niche. It's a great segue because I, you know, I wonder what Franz Wagner's niche is going to be. Uh, understanding that he is a focal point, uh, a focal point player for Michigan. Make no mistake. I just wonder if what he's going to be for Michigan this season is going to be different than what we anticipated it, it, it being. I, I don't want to you know, draw too broad a, a conclusion from, you know, the, the, the first what, five, six games of the schedule. But he got five shots in that game, uh, Tim. He had six points. Now, you, you can be still be effective. I, I, you know, again, I want to be clear that I think Franz Wagner has, has played well, especially defensively. But heading into the season, the thought was, well, this is going to be this going to be your leading scorer. This is going to be the guy that when you need a bucket, you get him the ball. He takes over games offensively. And that just hasn't been what we've seen from him so far. Now, again, that doesn't mean he can't really be effective, but I'm curious if you think we need to adjust what we think Franz Wagner's niche on this team is going to be this year. Wow. So so I, I had someone come up to me and say, you know, I'm concerned. Franz Wagner's overrated. He's a mystery. He's not productive. And I said, slow down. He's six games into his sophomore year, and I, I believe strongly that that good ball players come back every year and they add a piece to their game. And, and I have not seen that yet from Franz. And one of the, the, the hardest things to evaluate is what was his summer workout like in, in a pandemic? I know he spent time with Franz in D.C. I'm sorry, he spent time with Mo in D.C., but what did that look like? Did they have access to a gym or were they playing video games all day? I, I don't know. Um, he certainly, to me, um, does not look like a two-and-done player at this point. And once again, I don't believe that's a reason to, to write him off and to get down on him. Players develop at different speeds, and he's an excellent, excellent rebounder, a very good driver. He plays both ends of the court. And so far, we have not seen him um, shooting threes mm-hmm. and getting getting more active on offense. I think he's a really good cutter, and he hasn't put it together. 
And the reason it that, that, that he needs to step up is that Michigan needs that third reliable score. Isaiah Livers is going to score. Hunter Dickinson is going to score. Who's number three? And the reason it's so important is that Hunter has had six straight productive games. He's got a bad one coming, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. In effect, he, he has a bad one coming. Scouting reports are going to get deeper and deeper. And, and that's the reason that, that Franz, and I, I do think because of the way Nebraska defends, that, that Franz Wagner, I think, is going to have his breakout game in Lincoln on Christmas. You, you sort of talked about this a little bit in our last conversation about Franz. I mean, you've seen him. You saw him before he got to Michigan. I mean, and we talked about this heading into last year. We have seen him shoot the basketball well. It was he had to work himself back into into his his shooting form, his shooter form, after being hurt last year, and then had to you know get acclimated conditioning wise. There are a lot of reasons that we could point to for why he didn't necessarily shoot it as well as we expected last year. But that's not you know those things aren't pre- he's he knows what it is to be in the college game. He's not coming off of a of a broken hand, so. You know, you being in the game, can you see, can you sense, is it just a confidence thing right now, you think, just a rhythm thing, uh, just, uh, you know, just keep shooting and it'll it'll come thing, anything you can point to as a player, as a coach that you, that you can, that you can say, well, this, this might be why he hasn't shot it yet as, as well as we think he's capable of shooting it. Sam, I have two, two observations that I'd like to make. Um, last year, I had a chance to attend many, many practices, and I like to get there early and just watch the players shooting free on their own um, with a manager. I, I watch their form, and I, lo- I look at how consistent their release is. And I thought that last year, Franz was a little up and down. And so um, the truth is, by not being able to attend practices, I've only seen him shoot threes, you know, what, two or three times this year. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if he's improved that area. Um, it's just a, it's a matter of, he has not had repetitions, but I will say this, that on the threes he's missed, they have not been close to me. Uh, when a guy takes a three and it's straight and it hits front of the rim or back of the rim, um, I feel good about that shot. If it's left or if it's right, or if it's not inside the rim, then, then I'm not impressed with that. The second thing, and it might be the most impactful He's like a wide receiver playing with a brand new quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can't count on the quarterback necessarily to, to be his best because he's learning the offense. He's not really sure of the nuances. He doesn't quite know where people like the ball. Xavier Simpson made Franz Wagner's life really easy last year. He was such a superior setup man. And, and I think that, that Franz has missed playing with Michigan's, you know, one of Michigan's best point guards ever. And and I think that will improve. Yeah, absolutely. As Mike Smith gets more acclimated, his his transition is I, I think more difficult than uh than say Shawnee Browns. I mean, you know, both guys and Shawnee talked about this, Tim, that you gotta learn the, the system. You gotta learn the scheme. But as much as Mike Smith has to do the same thing, he has to learn all the other guys. He has to learn the spots that they like the ball on the floor. I mean, what can they do? Where can they do it? I mean, that that's the role of a point guard. And so uh, a really, really smart guy, a really bright guy that we're going to have a chance to talk to. And then another part of his transition, Tim, is going from the role of primary scorer 
that is a volume shooter, if you will, to a guy that has to be more deferential. You're, we're seeing him in the early stages of that transition now, and we're about to get a chance to talk to Mike Smith all about that. Yeah, and, you know, I, I love the game of basketball so much. I enjoy the matchups and the skill and the size and the athleticism. I, I like to see who improves from one season to the next. I like the, the adjustments that coaches and players make dealing with adversity and, and handling success. And, and one of my favorite things is, is watching players, um, you know, and, and, and finding out their stories. And, and how great is Mike Smith's story? You know, playing in the Ivy League, elite score, 24 points per game. And then there's a pandemic and he can go play anywhere he wants. And, and I think that this is a transformational year for him. Um, he, he will look back at this and experience things. That, that he's never experienced. And I kind of liken it to my son, Kellen, played at Western Michigan, loved his teammates, loved his coaches, great experience in Kalamazoo. And for his grad transfer year, he went to Georgia Tech. And, and I tell you, I have never seen a kid grow up more in one year from that experience than Kellen did. And, and you know, when he, when he goes through the rest of his life, when he goes out fishing with his buddies, he's got a Georgia Tech hat on, you know, and he watches their football games and he wears their gear. And like it just it was such a great experience to take a step up in competition and play at, at the highest amateur level you can. And that's why I, I love this story so much about Mike Smith. Yeah. And like I said, a guy that is in in his infancy as a point guard on this team but not in the infancy of his of his basketball career. And hearing him in, in some of the press conferences, some of the Zoom conferences, really, really struck by how analytical he is and, uh, you know, the confidence that, that comes through and the certainty about where this team is going to go and how he's going to help them get there. So anxious to talk to him about it. So when we come back from this break, we will catch up with Michigan point guard Mike Smith. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina. For the movie that hits like a bus in a good way. No one dies. Mean Girls. Made at PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And we are pleased to be joined here on the Michigan Basketball Insider by the man that is running the show on the court for the Michigan Wolverines this season, uh, a grad transfer that comes over with a lot of experience brings you that 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 shy town toughness as well talking about michigan point guard mike smith here with us on the michigan basketball insider mike thanks for joining us yeah thanks for having me yeah so so sam we've interviewed coaches and michigan legends we talked to franz and hunter and isaiah and austin on and on the guy that i am most excited to speak with is our guest today mike smith because of his unique story. He's Michigan's starting point guard. And Mike, thanks so much for joining us. Now, you averaged 24 last year at Columbia. You could have gone pretty much anywhere. Why Michigan? And how did that whole process work? Um, I think um, one big thing that I, the reason why I'm here is because of Coach Howard. 
Um, you know, I mean, a lot of schools recruited me, um, but I think that Coach Howard is the one who calls me. Um, and, you know, when you get a call from a head coach, it, it means that he really wants you. I um, mean, you know, a lot of all the other schools, their assistants reached out to me. Um, it really wasn't like the head coach. And, you know, I mean, I've been in the game for four years, so I kind of know how recruitment and everything goes out and, like, how how's everything being played. And, um, you know, I mean, that just showed that he really wanted me to be there. And he was really transparent and saying that who he's recruiting, it was me and Bryce Aiken at the time. And he was like, you, you two are the only two guards that I'm recruiting uh, for next year. Um, and then I'm really close to home. I'm only three hours away. So, you know, I mean, I thought that I didn't think the pandemic was going to go this long. So I, you know, I had to think about my family and that they can come to the games. Uh, of course, I'm in the Big Ten of one of the, the best conference, not even one of. I think it's the best conference um, this year, last year, and most of the years. Um, so, you know, I mean, and coach was like, hey, like, you have a chance to start. I'm not saying that you're going to start, but you have a chance. And I think that's uh, something unique about him, too, that made me want to come here even more because just to have to fight for that spot is, you know, I mean, that's that's kind of what you want to do. You know, I mean, that's everything you do in life. You uh, have to fight for it and you never want anything that's given to you. Um, so those are kind of like the big keys. And, and obviously it's a great school. Um, obviously, I went to a, a, a prestigious school before at Columbia. And now I got to, you know, I mean, be here and, I mean, engage with the, you know, I mean, the books and the curricula uh, here at Michigan. Yeah. So, Mike, you you're six games into your Michigan career. And you did mention Columbia. Ivy League is academics first. Um, at Michigan, right. things probably a little bit different. Elite talent, the facilities are pro level, a lot of resources, you know, coaches, trainers, meals, travel, the whole bit. Um, for our listeners, how is it different playing in the Big Ten as opposed to the Ivy League? Oh man, it's like it's like when you in the Ivy League, um, it's not it's not it's, the athleticism and the talent is not as high from one through five one through ten. Essentially it's not even one through five. Because there's some athletic people in the in Ivy League, um, but you, you don't see it across the board on each team. Um, and I think Harvard was probably one of the teams that was the most athletic, um, one through five. But, you know, I mean, in a Big Ten, it's one through ten. Um, everybody can play. It's not like it's it's going to be you can pick on one person. Um, and it's it's really physical. Um, I think I didn't, shoot a free, I didn't shoot a free throw. No, I didn't shoot a free throw last game. I usually shoot free throws a lot. I haven't really shot free throws a lot this year. Um, but... I, I, I can just say that it's really physical. Um, and uh, I, you could tell people are well scouted. Um, the way that we scouted teams and the way that the other teams scouted, they knew who, who could do what, which way they wanted to go. Um, I think that was big. And then you also touched on the facilities and how, like, this school um, at Michigan is more of like a, an athlete first, but academics are right there. So it's not like it's a second um, here. But athletes um, are taken care of, like, for sure here. As in Columbia, like you said, it's academic. You know what I mean? You miss a class, it's like you're missing like six weeks of, <laughs> of uh, learning. Uh, and then you have to pick up on it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. And, you know, we travel. We don't take planes. Uh, we haven't taken a, a, a plane trip yet, but I, I know we will. All our games was Friday, Saturday, all bus rides. So you will play Friday night at Harvard. And then if the game went overtime, you'll be on the bus right after driving to Dartmouth, which is two and a half hours away. Um, so it, it's it's totally different, you know. What I mean, but I'm really enjoying the experience, and you know, what I mean, the, the coaches and the managers and the players and everybody who I'm encountering, alumni and everybody. So I'm really grateful for the opportunity. You know, Mike, you talked about the difference in physicality between the Ivy and athleticism between the Ivy League and the Big Ten. I, I guess I'm I'm most curious about your transition on this team as you adapt 
to this system, this scheme, and the players. I mean, you know, Sean D, he has to make a transition too. Same thing with the freshmen. They are learning, but it's different for you because you got to learn the scheme and you got to learn the guys. So talk to me, uh, talk me through your transition and, and how that's been going for you. Uh, it's still tough, you know. What I mean, obviously, we we didn't we didn't have a normal year. Uh, this year has been long from normal uh, for everybody, and especially with basketball, because coach is still trying to figure me out um, how I play and how I how I'm doing things. So it, it's tough because I'm still trying to read everybody, where everybody likes the ball, what what's going on, the plays, um, so many plays. It's different, you know. What I mean, once you're in a system for four years, you kind of know it like the back of your hand, and then you have to go somewhere else and try to figure it out, and you have to run the show. And you have to be that leader. You have to do so many more things. But, and I mean, I'm still learning um, as I go. Um, and coach is learning. Everybody's still learning because uh, it's, it's a fairly new team. You have four new freshmen. You have two transfers. Um, and they all play. We all play. We all have a, we all have a significant role. You know, I mean, the team's dynamic is so different from last year. And, you know, I mean, we're all trying to still figure out what's going on. You may not be able to tell out there, but we're all trying to still figure it out. But it's coming along for sure. Um, but we're all trying to figure each other out and what our tendencies are and what's going on, especially now. You know, I mean, I got our first win in the Big Ten, which is good. But we have to, I mean, we have two weeks left before we play another game or a week and a half. So we're trying to figure out each other um, and what to do and what not to do and how to do it and what works for each other. So it, it, it's not, it hasn't been an easy transition, but it's been a fun one. And, it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's engaging. And what about stylistically, man? I mean, you – you got buckets at Columbia, right? I mean, that was that was right. you. You you were a score first guy. You carried the load, and coming here, right. obviously, you still have to score. But the balance has to be different for you. I mean, you you got to be more right. of a distributor. What about that transition as far as your mentality on the floor is concerned? How difficult has that been? Uh, it's it's been a little difficult, um, but not too much. I you know, what I mean, I've always prided myself on making everybody else around me better. Before I, you know, what I mean, it's basically like this: like you feed your, you feed, essentially, like if you're a family, you feed your kids before you eat yourself. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you have to feed everybody else before you feed yourself. And that's kind of always how I prided myself. You know what I mean? Obviously, I didn't get the opportunity to, to prove that at Columbia. Um, you know, me five assists was cool, and 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 things like that. But you know, what I mean, here it's like I don't have to do everything. Um, I have great players around me. I have pros, people that are gonna play this game for a long time on my team. So it's not necessarily I need to. Um, it's not a necessity that I need to score all the time, but I will score at times. You know what I mean? I, I will have my game where I can't miss or I can't, or I'm just really hot. You know what I mean? That game hasn't come yet, but I, you know what I mean? It, it's going to happen. One of these games, I don't know when, I can't say when, um, but I really don't have to score as much. And it's nice. You know what I mean? I can, as mm-hmm. long as we win is what I, is the, is the moral. Um, it's my whole objective is to win. You know what I mean? If it's, if I haven't scored that game, I'll score that game. If I need to pass the ball. I'll pass the ball. Like, it's just, like, I'm going with the flow. What the defense is giving me. If they give me a shot, uh, I'm going to take it. Um, and I think Coach is confident in me. Um, and I think he knows that I, I'm a really good scorer and I scored at the highest level um, so far um, that I can do it. Uh, but it, it has been difficult to try to transition that. But I think I've taken that role and accepted it, that a point guard is to feed everybody else first. And then when you're given the opportunity to take advantage of it and score. Mike, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, because you referenced your teammates, I'm going to ask you to take us inside the team dynamic. The fans don't really see it. Who, who's the funny guy on your team, the chill guy, the leader? You know, go through some of the guys, and, and what role do they play? Can you give us some insight? Like, okay, um, the funny guy. I think everybody, everybody on the team, like, 
says it to me, Hunter and Terrence uh, Williams, as like the funniest guys. Hmm. Um, I think I think the leaders are. I think everybody's a leader. Um, obviously, we have captains, which are which is uh, Austin, Isaiah, and Eli. But I mean, coach always says everybody has a chance to lead. Um, so there's no clear cut leader because everybody has a say. You know, what I mean, it's just not that one person. But I think um, if there was a couple of people, I think like in the middle of a game, people look at me um, and Isaiah and Eli to say something um, since Austin's out. But it's because of how old we are. Um, we're the oldest on the team, uh, and you know, I mean, we have the most um, experience. So, team people are going to look at us um, when things aren't going well, and when things are going, you know, I mean, great. You know, I mean, we still get the praise, but when things are going bad, we we are the ones to blame because we're the ones who are on the floor the most. If you look at the minutes, um, mm-hmm. so that's that. Um, what else? Um, Funny guys. Uh, what what else? I don't know no, what else there is. No, no, it's it's good. It's good. It's um. I also asked about who's the chill guy. Who, who's just like the that chill. cool guy that sits in the sits in the back and just you know has that wisdom or just the chill guy. That's probably Eli. I think. Um, yeah. you know, what I mean, he's chill <laughs> yeah. until he has not to be for sure. Uh, you can tell on the court like he has he has like that even kill. Like he doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. He's chill. But once he says something, everybody listens. You know, what I mean, it's not like he's consistently talking, but when he does speak, everybody listens because he is that guy on the court um, that's going to get you that stop, that bucket, you know, I mean, tell you what to do. But I think he's the chill, the quiet person in the room until he has to speak. And once he speaks, he speaks volumes. Yeah. Mike, you, um, you, you're clearly an academic guy. Um, it seems very important to you. What, what is your degree at Columbia? What are you studying at Michigan? What do you want to do someday? So Columbia, uh, I studied sociology. Um, I was going to do the business side too, um, but I couldn't because the classes interfered with practice. And at that time, I was really dedicated um, at basketball, for, sure, for basketball for sure. Um, but I did do internships uh, for private equity and then public relations for one, um, for three years. I did an internship every summer. And then, so I have that on my resume. Here, I went to study the business program, but I had to take the GRE. And in order for me to pass a GRE, I would have to do math and science. And if I'm being honest, like I haven't done math or science um, because I'm a sociology major. So I, you know, I mean, I didn't want to um, take it. And it was so sudden. It was right at the end of the pan- It was right at the beginning of the pandemic. School ended. I just graduated, and it was like, hey, like Mike, if you want to do the business program here at Michigan, you got to take GRE. You know, what I mean, I, I, it was like no time to study. It was like two days. Mm. You know what I mean? So I, I really wanted to do that. Um, that really hurt me. Um, because I, that was like one of my big things um, in recruiting is going to a business school um, because I want to do business after I'm done playing basketball. Um, I don't know what sector I want to do, but I have done private equity, and that's a lot of money but a lot of time, and it's hard. It's a lot of different things, but I for sure want to do business. Uh, my family has always done business. My dad is a, uh, a marketing guy right now um, in branding, um, and he had his own entrepreneur business. He, he was an entrepreneur at once, so... It's definitely around some around business. I think I'm a good talker, and I think I can sell something, um, mostly anything. So uh, I want to do definitely do something in business after I'm done playing basketball, whenever that is, yeah. um, and have my own money to do that. Yeah, you know, it is. It is interesting to to hear to, to get a feel for your personality, Mike. I feel like uh, you know we kind of see how guys will gravitate to you on a team and you could you could be a leader on the team. You, the question about funny guys, I guess the one of the guys that came immediately to mind because we we've known him since high school and covered him a bit is is Big Hunter. You know, he he brings some some personality to the fold. I'm wondering 
Has that come through? And I'm wondering, as, as one of the veterans, one of the older guys on the team, I mean, so many established scorers on this squad, Mike, and here, this freshman, yeah, he's talented, but he's come in and been like the most consistent offensive guy to this point. And I'm curious as, as the old heads on the team, as the vets on the team that have done it for a while, if that surprises even you guys. Uh, no, I don't think it surprises me. He, he works his works his tail off. Um, he, he works out tremendously hard all the time, always in the gym. Um, and you can kind of tell it. Like, his personality is like, I'm I'm the best. Like, he doesn't let us say it, but you can tell it like, I can do this. You know what I mean? Like, this is, this is not um, hard for me. You know what I mean? But um, me being who I am, I always tell him that he's no good. Um, you know what I mean? You, somebody has to do it. Somebody has to do it. If everybody's telling me good, he's going to go to his head. You know what I mean? And I have to tell him. And I tell him that uh, when he misses my assist, I get mad at him because, um, you know, I mean, he, he claims he did. He really never got the ball back in high school, or whatever. But I was like, hey, like you're somewhere else now, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the ball. But like when I do give it to you, I need you to score because I need my assist. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, he I, he doesn't surprise me at all. He he's, he's consistent in practice. He does it in practice. So you know I mean, doing it in the game is just like it's easy. It's easy for him. You know what I mean? So I'm really excited for him. Um, what he's done so far, um, but. Things sometimes basketball goes like where you have, you have your high, you have your lows. You know what I mean? You score consistently. Um, you know what I mean? And I think I'm as a leader, I have to be there for him when he doesn't have a good game mm-hmm. because it's not gonna it, it's new it's gonna be new to him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's been playing really well. Um, but there's gonna be a game or games where he doesn't score that well or doesn't play well, and I have to be, make sure to help him get through that because I've been there. You know what I mean? I've been there where I scored 37 points. In the next game, I'll score like 10 and can't hit a shot. And it's like frustrating because you work so hard um, every day to, to, to go out there and to prove that, you can, that you're capable of doing it. And you've done it for six, seven games. And then that one game that you don't, it's like, man, I'm letting everybody down. But you're not, you know what I mean? Because you, you can do other things to impact the game. Um, but it, and, and to answer your question, I don't, it doesn't surprise me at all um, that what he has done um, and what he's going to continue to do um, for sure. Tim? Tim, you got anything yeah, else for Mike? Yeah, so so I, I wanted to ask the, the process of coming to Michigan, get ready for the, the the season. Was there any former players that you had a chance to talk to to learn about Juwan's system, his style, how to relate to him? Maybe as Xavier Simpson or um, anyone that, that that you reached out to? Uh no. But a funny thing is, Jamal Crawford did text me um, when I committed. Um, don't know how he got my, my number, didn't ask, but Jamal Crawford texted me and was saying like, Hey, like this is, this is a, it's a great opportunity. It's a great school. Um, take advantage of it. Stay in the gym. Um, because this is an opportunity of a lifetime and that you guys are capable of winning a championship. Um, but just never forget to, to always work hard and continue to work hard, even when things are going well and when things aren't going and when things aren't going well. Um, for sure, but I think one one player that stuck with mind when I think of Michigan basketball is Trey Burke. I grew up around that time where Trey Burke um, was killing ball um, player that that one year run, and I was like, man, like it just reminded me. Obviously, he's taller, um, but like the way I played at Columbia, it was like, wow, like this guy's that obviously is a different coach and different different scheme and everything. But I can, you know, I mean, picture myself doing those things um, and Derek Walden for sure. Um, kind of, kind of player, um, fast, stocky, get, get shoot the ball, um, and things like that. So, 
um, that, that was kind of the big keys for me. But that was, the only player that I've known that reached out to me is Jamal Crawford and obviously Coach Howard, but that doesn't count because he's a coach. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mike, final question. Um, kudos to, to you and your coaches and your program with all the challenges dealing with COVID and the pandemic. You know, we see the, the issues throughout the college football world. What's it like for a basketball player on a college campus, the decisions that you have to make, the discipline that you have to have? How, how has your program done such a wonderful job of managing this challenge? Um, I, I think that uh, one big thing that Coach always talked about this year is this is a year of sacrifice. Um, you know, I mean, we have the team. We have the pieces to win this year. Um, so is that, you know what I mean, say that going to that bar, going to, to – hook up with a girl or whatever you want to do, is it really worth missing three weeks? Because it's three weeks um, mm-hmm. if you get it. So is it really worth it? You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, if we win a championship, you the vaccine may be out, may not be out, but we'll have a championship. You know, we, we, we've accomplished our goals. So this is a year of sacrifice. And coaches always preach that, um, that all, all the everything, like going home, because I'm so close to home, that's kind of why I wanted to go here. But, you know what I mean, going home all the time on the weekends or seeing my family, I may have to, you know what I mean, tell them, like, hey, like, I can't. You know what I mean? We didn't get to go home for Thanksgiving. Um, I'm really close. The first, this has been the first year I've actually got to go home for Thanksgiving. But, hey, like, you know what I mean, we're in a pandemic. And Coach said, hey, like, this is your sacrifice. Like, if you go home, we don't know who your parents have been around. We don't know who your family members have been around working. Um, is it really worth um, all that time and all that, you know what I mean, all the running and everything that we've done all summer? Is it really worth missing three weeks? If you miss three weeks of basketball, it's going to be hard to come back, especially in the Big Ten, um, especially if you have a big role on the team too. Oh, man, that's tough. So just sacrifice and just know that this is a, this is the year that we have to sacrifice. And, you know, I mean, when things get to normal, we can all celebrate together. Um, so that's kind of how we um, took the took the road of um, not trying to get COVID and staying um, disciplined in times of trouble. Is that how you got how you process playing on Christmas Day? Man, how did you how did that strike you? I know oh, that was something that Isaiah was like, man, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, yeah, uh, yeah. It, you know, I mean, it is what it is. You know, what I mean, I, I I was on the other spectrum. I was on the other end of the spectrum of being hurt uh, my junior year. So you know, what I mean, I'm grateful for playing uh, whatever day it is. It doesn't matter. Obviously, being in being in Nebraska is not ideal. But you know, what I mean, you can't complain about it because we get to play another. We get to play another day, and you get to see another day. You know, what I mean, life's too short um, to complain about little things like this, and the game can be taken away from you um, at any moment. You never know, so just accept it and be thankful, and you know, I mean, move on and go out there and be Nebraska on Christmas Day and enjoy our, enjoy our Christmas um, coming back to Michigan and enjoying a two uh, a two zero start in the Big Ten, which it would be huge for us. Absolutely, well, Mike. You're you're quite a ball player. Um, love love what you shared. And Sam and I both look forward to meeting you in person someday. And keep up the good work. You're you're doing a fantastic job for the Maize and Blue. Sounds good. Appreciate you guys for having me. Thank you so much, Tim. That was a, a great enlightening session there with with Mike Smith. And you can just you can just hear. You can sense. You know, players know he's been in the game a lot. He he obviously knows himself and what he's capable of, and, and clearly he thinks he's just on the cusp of, of breaking through in his role here, but clearly a, a, a steep learning curve for him as the point guard of this team getting into a new system. He's a nice guy, and he's very smart. He's likable, and, and you could just see 
that his teammates have enjoyed playing with him. And, and I, I think that you know, he, he won't be the most improved player in the Big Ten this year, but I think he'll be one of the most when you look at from the start of the season till the end. Um, I, I think he's going to get better and better, and we will see a breakout game for him. I think that, that, that um, you know, at the beginning of the Big Ten, or I'm, at the, I'm sorry, the start of the season, I predicted that like seven or eight different Michigan players will lead the team in scoring at one point this year. I definitely think Mike Smith will lead the team in scoring at some. All right, so you mentioned Big Ten and who's going to be the most improved as they get into to conference play and that kind of thing. It brings up a great opportunity to give people a glimpse of who's really standing out, who's balling in the Big Ten right now, and who do you think is going to be able to keep that up? Because there have been some impressive performers to open up, uh, to open up play, to open up the season – it's a perfect opportunity to get you, Tim, to highlight your all-Big Ten team, let's say at this point. So your Christmas all-Big Ten team. Uh, let's get into the players that you think are standing out to this point. Well, we'll make it really easy with the first one. I'll let you call the, the obvious one. <laughs> Luca Garza. Yeah. Uh, so the only first-team All-American from last year to return, and and 29 points, 20. 29 points. I mean, we could stop right there, right? Um, almost 10 boards, shooting almost 70%. His team is undefeated. They're top five in the country. And I, and I think it's safe to say he's one of the best big men in the last 20 years in the Big Ten and has a chance to be a three-time Big Ten player of the year. And so uh, I, I, um, I'm excited to watch him. I watch him every chance I can. Part of the reason is that it's so easy for guys to to jump and grab that money and I and I truly believe that with with CJ and Weisskamp and Connor McCaffrey that they they they've got they've got a lot of really good players surrounding him this this is a team that could could get to the final four yeah Tim you know it's interesting when you talk about Luca Garza I, I wonder if that is a you know if he's an example of what you mentioned earlier in the show I mean Luca Garza here he is a, a multi year uh, you know now top player in the Big Ten. He came back this year. I mean, this is, if, if folks are thinking Hunter Dickinson being a one and done, I mean, look at Luca Garza after the year he had last year coming back to college basketball. He was um, he was phenomenal last year, and he's better now, and one of the things that you and I will be talking about sometime in early January is the way that Luca lit up John Teske <laughs> last year in the Big Ten opener. Um, we're going to, we're going to see Juwan be able to dig deeply into his defensive philosophy tricks, because I'm sure that, that you're going to have to double team, uh, especially if Austin Davis is not healthy to help out. How do you cover Luca Garza when he's surrounded by four elite shooters at all times? Uh, that that's, that's something to circle on your calendar right there. All right. So Luca Garza was the obvious member of your all big 10 team. Where are you going next? Well, I, I want to pay my respects to guys that pass up the NBA bucks to come back and help their team. Io Desumnu from Illinois is having an all-American start to his year, uh, 25 and seven. One thing that people don't realize is that he's highly efficient, top five in assists, 53% from the field. And, and he, um, he, he's got a good chance to be an all-American. Wouldn't that be great for the big 10 to have two all-Americans? Uh, the last all-American from Illinois, can you remember who it is? Last All-American from Illinois. Off the he's top a guard. Of... He's a guard. 
very fast like you. Uh, <laughs> D Brown. D Brown. D Brown. I got you. Yeah. And and also, I mean, Io is, is very clutch. Um and and I I think that he's easily the best guard in the Big Ten. Agree? Yeah, absolutely. And and here's the thing that's impressive to me about him, Tim. He's shooting threes at a better clip mm-hmm. this season. Uh, you know, that's a, a part of my question about Illinois would be where would three-point shooting come from? And they've gotten three-point shooting from from other guys. But he's been a part of their improvement as a team. He shot the basketball better. Clearly, he's he worked on that part of his game. Yeah, and I watched Illinois, Minnesota, and was really impressed with the Sumnu's defense on Marcus Carr. So he's um, he's playing a complete game for sure. All right. So we got Ayu Dusumu in there. Where will you go after Ayu? Well, I, I, um, I've i become a fan of Trace Jackson Davis from Indiana. Um, I wanted to put Hunter on my first team. Um, I actually wrote him down, but then had to scratch it off. Yeah, so I actually put Hunter on my first team. And and I, I just I couldn't stick with that one because I looked at, at Jackson Davis's numbers, 21 points per game, almost a double double with his nine boards, over 50 percent, low turnovers, pretty, pretty solid rim protection. Uh, he was really good last year as a freshman and he came back even better. Mm-hmm. So he's absolutely got to be on my first team. And there's no way you can take him off. Yeah. Trace Jackson Davis uh, burst onto the scene last year. And it was going to be interesting to see. I always wonder, guys who, as as freshmen, if once teams, once the league, once college basketball have an idea who they are and start to adjust to them, put them at the top of the scout, are they ready for that? Or does it does it take an adjustment for them out of the gate in their sophomore seasons? And you just made a great point. I mean, he's he's come out of the gate, Tim, looking like he's ready to meet that challenge. So makes sense with, with Trace Jackson Davis. Now where are you going? Uh, I've got to get a guard out there, and this is um, this is for the compilation of work that he's done over his career. Marcus Carr loves to score. It's a mediocre team, even though they just had their first loss against Illinois. Um, but Marcus Carr is an elite scorer, and he's he's averaging 24. He's second in the conference in assists. Um, he's shoot shooting much better this year at a high clip. And one of the the interesting things is that. If you want to try to find a spot for Isaiah Livers or Hunter Dickinson, I do think that Marcus Carr may slide off my list based on the fact that the the the, the next eight games that they play, they could lose six of them. I mean, their schedule is brutal. And, and if they're going to win some games, Marcus Carr is the guy that's going to have to step up. Yeah, I mean, you look at him, Tim, and, and you know, watching sort of last year, him kind of break into the scene, break onto the Big Ten scene, because remember he was he was at Pitt. And I remember just really being uh impressed with uh like you said, his ability to 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 score him. I mean he, obviously he can get on a roll. You mentioned he's shooting it better. I saw him get uh, really hot from distance in a few games last year, but a rim attacker and when he's going, I don't I mean I know Ayu Dusumu I probably would say is the is the toughest guy to stop in the league right now, but when Marcus Carr has it going from the outside, I don't think it's there are very many guys in the league that can stay in front of him. I like that. And I wondered though, I wondered if he you talk about how are guys going to adjust. I mean, he wasn't the top guy on that on that squad last year. Uh he was new to the league. You had a primetime player in the middle, so there was there was you know, a, a little bit of leeway for him. Now he's the guy 
And, again, he's meeting that challenge. So I like that pick, Tim. Uh, I actually think he's going to be able to keep it up this season. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's possible. And, you know, Daniel Turo in the NBA, he was the go-to guy, and he made Marcus Carr's life easy last year. A lot of guys fade when they become the top of the headline. So, yeah. So, so um, you know, the, the fifth spot is kind of hard for me. Um, you know, I, I like Joey Hauser. I did not, did not watch him play a lot at Marquette, so I was kind of anxious. He's been a double-double guy. Um, Travion Williams from Purdue's double-double as well. Wisconsin's so balanced, it was hard to focus on one guy. I like um, Wieskamp at Iowa, Kofi Coburn. Um, there, there's a lot of guys. I've got somebody in mind. I don't know if it's obvious, but I'm going to let you take a shot and see if you can think who it is. And if not, I'll tell you in five seconds. I think you're going to go with Ron Harper Jr. Two, one. My selection is Ron Harper Jr. <laughs> nice job, Sam. Look, typically Rutgers, their players don't deserve this type of praise. But they do in 2020. They're undefeated, and they're playing so well. Um, and a big reason is the play of Ron Harper Jr. 23 points a game. Definitely plays both ends plus strong on the glass. Sam, he's making almost 60% of his shots. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the best players in the Big Ten. And, and a big reason why Rutgers is so good. And, and you know, if if Michigan played Rutgers tonight on a, on a neutral floor, it's a pick'em game. I think they I think they are really good. Should have been the NCAA last year. They will this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you look at – you mentioned he is uh, 23, 23 points per game. But, Tim, he's shooting 50% from three-point range. Yeah. I, I mean, it's I, – I, obviously, he's not going to keep that up. Make no mistake. He's not going to keep that up. But point is, this guy is shooting the basketball. And when you think about Rutgers, that's, that is a huge question. Can they shoot the basketball? They're athletic. They're going to get into you defensively. They can bring length to the floor. So they are going to they are going to outgrit most teams. Now that doesn't mean they're going to beat most teams, but if it comes to a matchup of of dogs and who could be the most gritty, that's them. It, it hadn't been the case that hey man, they're going to give you a a pretty offensive game. They're going to be able to shoot the basketball really well and win games that way. Uh, you know, Ron Harper. With the the scoring performance that he's put on thus far, it's just five games, uh, but he is he is showing a a different offensive element. Now, will he he won't keep up fifty percent shooting from three, but if he can be close to a twenty uh, close to a twenty per points per game scorer this season and shoot in the upper thirties and from three point range, I think it's a this is a different Rutgers team this year if he can do that. Yeah, I I don't know. The, the name of the Rutgers athletic director, but I want to, I want to send, send, um, you know, some kudos his way because Greg Schiano and Steve Peichel are going to make Rutgers formidable. They're, they're going to recruit well. They're going to coach well. It's a, it's a program that right now I just have the utmost respect for. I like watching them play. I can't believe that I'm saying I like Rutgers basketball, but I do. <laughs> I hear you, Tim. You know what? I like sitting down, talking basketball with you on a weekly basis. Uh, it is the holiday season, so uh, you know, with uh, you know the Wolverines, they will be playing on Christmas Day. But I figure, Tim, it's the holiday season. I think we take a little bit of a holiday break, a little bit of a holiday hiatus. Come back after. Uh, after next week and, and recap, and here's the t- here's the thing. Uh, we'll have a, an idea, another idea coming off that Nebraska game 
about you know who's stepping up, but really also kind of look at um, you know get deeper into our discussion about Franz because uh, I'll, I'll be looking now to see if that truly is the the game uh, that you're predicting that is going to be where he really has a maybe a breakout performance there offensively, but a fun start to a very trying year. I'll close this way, Tim, asking you a, a serious question about basketball in the new year and how likely it is you think we can get through the college basketball season without without things being shut down. It just, you know, the vaccine is here, but I don't know that the vaccine is going to make the rounds enough in time to really stave off the kind of impact that we see the virus having on society right now. Sam, first of all, I want to wish you and your family a Merry Christmas. Um, I want you to know I'm probably going to call you um, anyway to talk hoops, even if we don't do a podcast <laughs> for Christmas. Um, on your serious question, I think that, that college basketball will continue for those programs that are able to keep their players you know, in their apartments and focused. What a year of tremendous sacrifice. Um, some teams have shown great maturity. Others have not. Other teams have just had bad luck. And so I don't want to cast any dispersions that, that just because a team loses, um, loses a couple of players and loses a couple of games that they've been irresponsible. I think that there's, there's some luck to it as well. Um, but I do think that you're going to see a season where, where a great number of games are canceled. Um, I think it's going to be a season of chaos. And why wouldn't it be? I mean, what everybody's dealt with over the last nine months has been just, just you know, extraordinarily difficult. Um, but I, I do not anticipate that this is going to get better by March. Um, I think it's going to be a real challenge to get an NCAA tournament. And and then on a positive note, Sam, when we come back, I'm going to give you my all Big Ten team. So let's let's leave this with a, a positive note, not negative. Absolutely, I agree with you on that, Tim. And I, I the way I was going to close it is, look, it, you should savor every game. It, it should make every game be that much more enjoyable, uh, you know, you get into it that much more because you just don't know. You don't know what what the future is going to hold. So uh, that's the way I'm approaching uh, each week and each game. Michigan will next be in action on Christmas Day next Friday, and we'll be in after that contest the following week to recap it and to look ahead. Uh, to all of you, uh, of course, you know, Tim and I are wishing all of you a happy and safe holiday. Appreciate your support of this this podcast. If you like this podcast, be sure to rate and review it. If you've already done that, be sure to tell your friends all about it. You can find the Michigan Basketball Insider wherever they get their podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, you name it. They can find it. Just search Michigan Insider Podcast and up they will come. Thanks again, folks, for listening to another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Fantasy baseball draft season is upon us, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Sample, six times per week throughout March. Sleepers, breakouts, busts, live mock drafts, spring training updates, and everything in between every Monday through Saturday. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.